Welcome to the RSP Cast. I'm Matt Waldman with Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Dwayne McFarlane with Pro Football Focus established the run, Fighting Chance Fantasy Football and the Fantasy Football Hustle Podcast. I think I covered all of them. Godfather of the Utilization Reports. We're going to hear a little bit more about that later on as well. Um, you know, and we just finished doing actually a, a fun Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Um, definitely encourage you to check out the projections that we discussed there. And we got another fun one, the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, listen, Dwayne, I mean, just to give the quick rundown that I'll do from a personal standpoint, and then we'll get a look at, you know, from from the broader point of view. Drew Brees, I mean, I call him the survivor man of, of, of quarterbacks in the NFL because this is a guy that, you know, you could put him in the equivalent of, like, basically the harsh wilderness and the monsoon with a bunch of wet sticks, and he could start a bonfire basically with the way that he produces and you can say well you know he had michael thomas and jared cook come on it's not that big of a deal but traquan smith is a was a big drop off as well as maurice harris deontay harris josh hill whoever you want to add on there ted ginn you know huge drop off in terms of production there so when you lose alvin kamara for a certain number of games and then you don't have much else to fill in for that um you know that's that's tough sledding and still drew Brees was on track for 4500 yards before he got hurt um so you know now they add emmanuel sanders to the mix and as we talked about in the 49ers podcast you know i said that was going to be a big um blow to the 49ers receivers um to replace him but now that Brees actually gets a guy who can play outside and run routes on the level or close to the level of michael thomas but do more of those routes and be more of a threat now you've got that whole, you know, you know, basically triplet scenario in terms of just the receivers and the tight end, not to mention Alvin Kamara. Um, and Kamara's back and healthy-ish. We'll see. Gene Bramble seems to be somewhat positive about what he has to say about Kamara and some of the, the, the sacral nerve stuff that he's had going on. Um, but, you know, even if they don't, Latavius Murray, while he's no Alvin Kamara, He's a, he's a powerful runner with speed who's shifty and unconventional and works well within the sets behind this good offensive line that the Saints have. And then these tight ends. Jared Cook has like figured out what um, Sigmund Bloom was probably begging for him to do and be for the first several years in Tennessee. I'm so glad for Sigmund because I was so tired of flipping hearing him talk of wax poetic about Jared Cook for the first three to five years of his career um, in the same way that he probably was with me about several players. So, um, you know, when it comes to Cook, um, he, had a, he had a fantastic year, but now we have a very intriguing guy that we'll talk about at tight end maybe a little bit later here in Adam Troutman um, and, and rookie scouting portfolio contributor Mark Schofield and I had, a, had an interesting conversation about him on our latest quick game about a month ago. And we'll have another quick game out, by the way, tomorrow. Um, I think tomorrow or Wednesday, our first one in about a month um, to kick off the NFL season. Um, so, you know, you look at this team in total and there are some weapons to be had. And as we said, when Drew Brees has had weapons, even like decent weapons, like just spread out amongst the offense, they didn't have to be superstars, just had to be competent in terms of competent starters. Drew Brees was routinely thrown in the 5,000-yard range, you know, 5,000 to 5,400 yards, flirting with 40, over 40 touchdowns. And yeah, he's older. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it hasn't happened in a few years. But I think, I think we're going to see Drew Brees also 
in Tom Brady range this year. And and certainly, you know, as Dwayne said in the last podcast, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matthew Stafford are his guys. He seems to like to go to in fantasy leagues this 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 season. And I was complimenting on on his taste. Um, so, you know, when it comes to this, this is another fun offense, and should be some should be two games of the week in terms of divisional clashes between the Saints and the Buccaneers. So what's the what's the broad level kind of high high you know good insight type of stuff yeah. that you're going to provide here yeah so i mean the interesting i mean the saints are just you know they've really been a dominant team so they this was their third consecutive year in 2019 to be plus seven points in margin of victory um, and that's a really high number so to do that three years in a row it just speaks to you know the core of players that they've got around a really good quarterback right now everybody's on the same page with the quarterback and with you know Sean Payton you know the coordinator and they just have a mix right that just teams can't they can't defend the mix you know it's got you got a, a running back that's a mismatch against linebackers and safeties you know in space then you've got a tight end that can push the seams he's a really good you know threat you know inside you know the 10 yard line you know end zone targets and then you've got Michael Thomas, who can, you know, do the dirty stuff underneath, but he can also work outside some. You know, he can really do pretty much everything. They don't throw the ball deep to him a lot, but it's not its not that he can't do some of that as well. And now, like you said, you had Emmanuel Sanders. I honestly can't remember, Matt, the last time that, you know, Drew Brees had this complete of a set of weapons. Never. Um, I think Sanders, yeah, I can't remember it. Um so, I mean, I know there was that point where you had Colston. I think Colston was still there when Brandon Cooks first got there. He may have already been gone. Yeah, I for, for one year. Okay, it was one year. But Colston was on his Colston was on his last legs. Um, you know, I can't remember. Was Jimmy already gone then, or was he no, there he for was, one he year? he was Jimmy. still in, kind of in his prime, or at least still good enough. So, so that would have been, you know, the closest. Like, you know, so they had had a similar thing where they had Graham Colston, and then they had Sproles underneath, right? So they kind of had that trio, which is really what they built again with the three they have now. But now you add on the outside, Emmanuel Sanders, instead of, you know, um, Devery Henderson or, you know, uh, who was Robert Meacham, you know, all these. Lance Moore was actually nice. He was a nice player at one point. Um, And so those guys were really just field stretchers. Now you have a receiver that can, you know, and you talked about it when we did the 49ers episode and how it may hurt the, you know, it's obviously going to be something San Francisco's got to get figured out. He can do everything. He can, we saw him, we've seen him beat people deep last year. Heck, he did it in the Super Bowl. He's wide open, you know, for a touchdown pretty much, and Garoppolo missed him. Um, so we know this is a guy that can really do everything. And you know Drew Brees, if he's got a player that, you know, he knows is going to be on the same page with him, you know, they're running these option routes based on the way the cornerback is shaded, what is the coverage doing, I mean, Sky's kind of the limit for where the offense could go. Um, I would say the other really great thing about this team, Matt, is, man, they have a freaking awesome offensive line. <laughs> I mean, this is a top, top-notch offensive line. So you've got, you know, Armstead, you know, on the left. You know, he graded nine out of 82 tackles last year at Pro Football Focus. Um, you've got Pete, who is 71 out of 82, but he didn't play very much. He's actually a really good guard as well. Um, if you go back a year before, you know, you look at him, he was much higher ranked. And you look at McCoy, um, who was four out of 35 at center. And then this year in the first round, they draft Cesar Ruiz with uh, pick 24 in the first round. And then you've got, you know, of course, Ramchek on the outside, on, on the right, you know, who's first 
out of 82 graded tackles last you know season so this is a great offensive line whether you want to pass or whether you want to run the ball um it would be hard you know to grade any offense above this one there are some that could push for it we could argue the one we just talked about the bucks i think there are a few that you could say could push but when i think of a complete a complete team that has literally everything maybe they don't have a true just burner deep threat but it doesn't matter that you know the way they win it just doesn't matter um i mean it's just a complete offense so i love it you know i, I can't wait to hear more about um you know adam trotman i know everybody in my dynasty leagues are excited about him i wasn't able to draft him i thought i was going to get him <clears throat> and i missed out on him so i'll be excited to hear more about that but right now i've got the team projected for well, first, Vegas has got them at 10.5 wins. Pro Football Focus has them at 9.7. Last year, they won 13. Um, I've got them at 980 plays. I've got them at 57% pass, 43% run. I could see that going a tick lower, like 56, 44, you know, just depending on how game scripts go. Peyton is very willing, right, to, you know, run the football when he needs to. Now, last year, he kind of got away from that. He actually threw the ball much higher than the league average in every scenario, whether he was leading, whether he was the game was tied or whether they were trailing. So he was much more heavily, you know, leaning into the pass last year, but they have the offensive line where really they can do, you know, any of it, you know, and obviously, you know, it all ties back, you know, to Drew Brees. And what's interesting, you know, Matt with him is even though, you know, he's up there in age, um, I mean, he just does so many things. Well, if you look at him from a clean pocket, he's nine out of 35 under pressure. He's second out of 35, you know, Positive graded plays, 10th out of 35. Negative graded plays, first out of 35. The dude doesn't make negative plays. Now, he doesn't make some of the huge plays downfield that some of the other quarterbacks do, but they, again, they, that's not the way this offense is built. I mean, they you weren't can't settled stop with them. Again. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, they'll run 10 plays every – a lot of offenses, if they've got to run 10 plays to score a touchdown or to get into the red zone to even kick a field goal – that's bad recipe for the saints. It's not like they can do that over and over. Like they're just, you know, Drew Brees is going to trick is going to pick you apart, especially if you can't get pressure on him. So turnover worthy plays, you know, five out of 35, you know, so obviously the lower number being better on target passes first out of 35 third downgrade second out of 35. I mean, like there's, there's nothing not like, you know, about Drew Brees. And I know some people will say, oh, well, you know, he didn't throw the ball very down, far down the field. You're right, he doesn't, but it works. You know, they don't have to. I mean, what are you going to – I mean, I don't know how to argue, you know, and say, okay, well, great. I wish he threw it deeper. I mean, their offense is fabulous, just like it is. Yeah. So – I wish. And he then when I look at him, you know, overall, what's funny about that, right, is here are his marks against the league averages at every – basically depth, Matt. So last year, he's plus 2.8% behind the line of scrimmage. Zero to nine yards, he's plus 6.3%. 10 to 19 yards, he's plus 5.1%. 20 plus yards, he's plus 13.2%. So he doesn't throw it deep as much, but it's not like he can't. Um, you know, again, he's similar to Brady. He's an anticipation thrower. Yes, he's not going to sit back there and wait forever like Tyrod Taylor and wind up, you know, and chunk this big, huge rainbow. That's that's not his game. He's going to he's gonna get rid of his deep ball quicker, right, than most quarterbacks that are going to drop back and throw a deep ball. Him and Brady are very similar, you know, in that way. But they're also both, like, they have everything, you know, up here in the, you know, in the, in the brains department. And they just know how to read these defenses. And so I think you're going to see him actually get to take some – 
advantage of a few more of those this year because I think Emmanuel Sanders, while he's not just a deep threat, he's such a good route runner. Um, and, you know, the, the defense has so many other things to worry about. He's going to see some a pretty decent amount of single coverage, at least early on until, you know, people are like, holy crap, you know, what do we do now with Emmanuel Sanders on the other side? He's just got to stay healthy. So I'm interested to see, you know, what Breeze can do, you know, from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, listen, um, I'm glad you read those depth of target stats because um, the the best deep thrower that I've seen in the league in terms of um, from a variety of situations and some of the most impressive deep throws I've seen in the past five to seven years have come from Drew Brees, just on tape, like under pressure, threading the needle. I, there's a game. There's there's a tight game against the Broncos where he hit some, he made some throws that one was dropped that was some of the most incredible deep throws i've ever seen under pressure um in terms of just being able to to hit it like just hit the bullseye just insane and again you know people are going well he can't do this he can't do this or you know he's not these types of things well it's like you're basically saying you know you're basically comparing restaurant you know when, when it comes to the passing game you're comparing restaurants with like you know that would be featured in Bon Appetit and 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 you know foodie magazines um, with you know Gordon Ramsay cooking in them and and folks like that to like Survivor Man out in the bush and like he's actually still actually making a good meal even though his his utensils are labeled Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith okay so I mean yeah he's got a good knife you know he's got he's got some some high end tools here and there but not for like the fine cookery that you would see, you know, elsewhere. So I'm looking forward now to the fact that he actually has that one extra weapon that's going to make such a big difference in terms of what they can do. And, and Because again, Michael Thomas, as good as he is, he's not a complete receiver. I know that sounds blasphemous, but he's a slot receiver who can occasionally play outside. He's a hybrid. In the same way Juju Smith-Schuster is. And people thought that was blasphemy when I said that last year too, and I think we found out that yes, he needs a he needs a complete receiver to kind of allow him to operate underneath to his maximum, um, or he needs at least a really great tight end, you know, who can do that work. So Thomas is great, and he and you can see what they do to really scheme him open in some respects or give him mismatches where he can be a great route runner. Um, but yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is the complete player even though he may not be a great receiver he's a very good receiver who's going to make the other players great so yeah i have 986 plays for this team um 581 um you know passing attempts so 58.9 percent pass um 31.1 percent run i could see it being more to the run pass same way as Dwayne mentioned Breeze, I have at 581 attempts, 401 completions, 69%, one of the most, one of the highest in the league and it consistently is, 4,736 yards, 8.15 yards per attempt, 35 touchdowns, 6% of those, uh, of those attempts are TDs, 15 interceptions, 2.6% are interceptions, um, 33 attempts for 23 yards, and I don't know why I have this. I need to look at this again because it still just kind of boggles my mind. But I have four touchdowns for Drew Brees as a runner. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you might want to check I that. I might want to check that. Um, 
I don't know why I have that there like that. I think I probably... You, you were just trying to move him up rankings. I know how you secretly move people around in rankings now, Matt. You've given yourself away. It's, it's the by rushing the rushing touchdowns, touchdowns for quarterbacks. That's what it is. But I think... Let me look back at that while we're on this because maybe it's because... Yeah, I'll throw mine out there while you... Three. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'll throw mine out there while you look. So I've got Drew Brees down for 98% of the... Of 97% of the team's attempts. I got... Taysom Hill with 3%. So I've got Drew Brees at 542 attempts, 74% um, completion rate, 401 completions, um, eight yards per attempt. And that's a, he's, it's right around where he's been. That would not surprise me if that went up though with Emmanuel Sanders. So I've got him at 4,335 yards, but I've got him at 35 touchdown passes, um, eight interceptions. I've got him at 30 attempts for 23 yards and one Unlike Matt, I don't have four. I've got one rushing touchdown. Taysom Hill, I've got with 151 yards passing, one passing touchdown, 25 attempts for a healthy six yards per at 150 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns for Taysom Hill. Yeah, I'm going to have to change those rushing touchdowns. I think I see what I did. And <laughs> You probably were thinking of Taysom Hill. <laughs> I was looking at Drew. I was looking at, yeah, I was looking at Drew Brees' 2018 season when he had four touchdowns, and he's had at least – you know, out of the past four years, he's had at least two rushing touchdowns in the um, in three of those four seasons. But Taysom Hill, they use God knows why. I know, I know, you guys all love Taysom Hill. That's fine, you know. Uh, but it, uh, whatever. I I I'm not taking Drew Brees off the field. I just think that's crazy. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, yeah, I'll probably cut it. Down. I'll probably cut down two touchdowns. In fact, I'm going to do that right now and just give him two. Um, and change that but uh, you know for Breeze I mean from a fantasy perspective you know I'm look I still have him he doesn't change where I have him ranked actually at all um, when I take those two off because <laughs> I have a I had a gap between him and Kyler Murray anyway now he's just a little further away from Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray he's my seventh ranked quarterback still is my seventh ranked guy ahead of Dak Prescott by Matt, just a hair and Ben Roethlisberger. Do you, do you know? Do you know what uh, Brees was on pace for last year? Three hundred sixty-five points, like in a fantasy league. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, people like are not like onto this. Yeah, and it, and they talk about the Taysom Hill stuff, you know. And what's funny is, is if you look inside the twenty, once they got inside the twenty, guess how many passes Taysom Hill threw? Zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. So when the Saints want to pass the ball, what you just said, Drew Brees is on the field. Now, does Taysom Hill get involved in the running game and as a receiver sure. inside, you know, down in the red zone and inside the five-yard line? Yes. He's honestly, if you go look at who he took from last year, it's more from Latavius Murray is who he really stole some things from. And then, you know, uh, you know, some of, and probably a little bit from Jared Cook too, um, honestly, you know, as a receiver. So yeah, Taysom Hill, you know, if you hear somebody saying, oh, well, he's just going to hamper Drew Brees, you know, they, they just haven't dug deep enough into it. Had nothing to do with passing the ball. Nothing. If you, um, if Drew you, Brees is the dude, he's on the field when they want to throw. Yeah. And I'll argue it this way. You have someone argue with you about that. Go to the RSP site, mattwaldmanrsp.com. Scroll down to the search bar, type in Drew Brees, and you'll see a number of red zone plays that I've profiled with Drew Brees that explains why that guy's special on slants, why is he special on so many different little plays 
because of what he can do in terms of pinpoint accuracy, red zone accuracy, and the ability to basically fake out defenders with all the little tricks of the trade that top-end quarterbacks do. If there's a quarterback that does, I don't know why, does it feel to you like he just doesn't get his due even in football anymore? Like it was like they forgot like all the things he did and they go, well, he's a function of the offense. Sean Payton's the real genius in all of this. And it's like, I love how people do that. Like they, they like, they like weigh it on one guy and say, yeah, whatever. Let me tell you something, man. I would take Drew Brees. I, I think the only other guy I would take ahead of Drew Brees is Russell Wilson. And that includes Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love Patrick Mahomes, um, Drew, I might take Drew Brees ahead of Patrick Mahomes if it was one game, um, you know, or if it was actually if it was a season. If it was one game, I'd probably just take Patrick Mahomes overall, and Russell Wilson would be second. But in terms of one season, I'd take Drew Brees. I, I think he's that good. Yeah, I just trimmed Jason Hill by a percent and gave Drew Brees another percent back. <laughs> So let's look at this receiving. He had nine dropbacks all season. Yeah, yeah. right. He had Twenty-seven rushing attempts all season. They're all seduced you know, by the athletic ability, man. It's so funny. But it is funny, to your point. Like as soon as I post anything online about Drew Brees being good, like I'm looking at my Twitter timeline right now, and as soon as I put something out there about Drew Brees recently, and it's like, oh, yep. Once you get inside the twenty, though, here comes Taysom Hill. I'm like, where are people getting this from? They remember like one play, and for some reason, they think that Taysom Hill is always on the field. He's just yeah. not. Well, I could give you a Ross Tucker-esque kind of ex- explanation for this. Like, I, I love doing the show with Ross Tucker. He's a great guy. But I just feel like that this would be kind of like the Ross Tucker humor maybe, which would be like we do the analogy and say it's kind of like the Three Stooges. You know, you've got Curly, and Drew Brees is kind of like the Curly of, 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 of this whole team. You know, he kind of makes things go in terms of the comedy here. And then, but people are like, well, what about Curly Joe? You know, it's like, you know, no, Taysom, you know, Taysom Hill's like Curly Joe to Curly. It's not the real thing, but people are still bringing it up like it is. So there you go. There you go. You have that really horrible Three Stooges humor. So let's move on to the, to the wide receiver uh, lookout here and uh, talk about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas you know, he's going to lead, continue to lead this team. I have met 161 targets, 125 receptions, 1,364 yards. You know, people are thinking, you know, he had a 1,700-yard season last year. That's because they didn't have anybody, you know, outside of Cooks. So this year, I think Sanders, Sanders takes more of the load, but doesn't mean that Thomas still isn't one of the best, most productive receivers in football this year. 10.9 yards per catch, nine touchdowns, still top five receiver you know, and maybe the number one or number two on my board in PPR leagues, Emmanuel Sanders. I could have gone higher for him, but I, I feel like that I would have been, um, too, uh, been overly optimistic. I have 125 targets, 80 receptions, 1,060 yards, 13.25 yards per catch, six touchdowns, which is why he's probably been the player that I'm like round nine. I can get him in round nine or eight, round eight or round nine. Well, if I can get him in round eight or round nine, that means I'll be fine with taking CeeDee Lamb in round seven and reaching for him too um, and go ahead and getting Emmanuel Sanders because Emmanuel Sanders should be... I mean, like, if someone said he's at best a sixth-round guy, I'd go, yeah, at best, sure. But I have him rated as a top 20 receiver this year. So 
I'm, you know, round nine, that just allows me to change my draft plan a little bit and take guys I want who I, you know, work a little more, who, you know, and C.D. Lamb, I mean, we've talked about him and the Cowboys keep going on about him too. Wouldn't be surprising if he's, you know, a top 15 receiver this year um, in this offense. So, yeah, Michael San- Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, two leading guys. Traquan Smith, I threw him a bone, 31 targets, 18 catches, 234 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. He can win some contested plays. He can run after the catch. Um, you know, I, the rest of the guys aren't worth mentioning because I have sour grapes and Emmanuel Butler didn't make the roster. Um, but, you know, other than that, we can move on to tight ends real quick and, and make work of... Well, no, we'll leave off the tight ends. Let's talk about... Let's let's get Dwayne to share, weigh in on his wide receivers here, you know, and how you, you have yeah. them distributed. Yeah, I've... <laughs> You know, at a high level, just zoom out real quick. Thomas is the one, right, in the receiving game. And then I have Kamara and Sanders basically like peers as the two, you know. Um, and then I've got Cook, you know, really as the three now. Um, so it really is the four, essentially, because, you know, if you've got Kamara and Sanders. But I'm with um, you. Splitting the two. Yeah, so... I've got Michael Thomas at 30%, you know, of the targets. That's 168, 134 receptions, 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns. I've got Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not quite as high on Sanders as you, but he grades out, you know, high enough easily to be drafted by the ninth round of fantasy drafts. Um, And there's still meat on the bone, to your point. 17% of targets, that's 95 targets. I've got 62 receptions, 800 yards, and almost six touchdowns. He's just you know, I do this by fractions, so it's five and a half touchdowns, but we'll call it six, you know, since Matt loves him. And then we've got, uh, you know, the next receiver, I did the same thing with you, is, is Traquan Smith, um, you know, 5% of the targets, 28 targets, 18 receptions, 254 yards, uh, and two touchdowns, you know, receiving. I could easily see one of those receiving touchdowns going away and going to Sanders or whoever else you want. Um, I'll, I'll jump over to the tight ends and Please. then I'll start them off and then let you finish the tight ends. Twelve um, percent of the targets to Jared Cook, um, and a lot of people are like, "What?" Well, he really didn't have that many targets last year. It's it's where he gets his targets. He's very problematic for defenses. You know, uh, once you get inside the fifteen, inside the ten, inside the five, uh, because of all the different combinations of things they do with him and Kamara and Thomas at these levels, um, it's like you essentially have to pick you know what you're going to do and then drew Brees is like eh, wrong answer and he throws a touchdown to the other guy so that's just how it goes when you're playing the saints but i've got jared cook at 12 percent of the targets that's 67 targets 44 receptions 565 yards and nine touchdowns so i do have him you know tied with michael thomas you know leading the team in touchdowns love it so it's interesting because we're kind of similar with Jared Cook, but approaching it from different um, perspectives. I I look at Jared Cook and say he's the deep threat in this offense um, as the deep seam kind of guy um, and might be the most compelling deep guy that they have on the roster um, because of the fact that they're, they're going to use two tight ends more. That's something they've talked about. Um, they're going to He'll effectively be the third receiver. They're probably going to split him out a fair bit. Um, he is a mismatch. I'm at 68 targets, 
48 receptions, 781 yards for 16.2 yards per catch and seven touchdowns. So you have more touchdowns than me. I have a whopping yards per catch figure for him because I think he's going to be running free in this offense this year. Yeah. I have him at 13, which is, you know, that's pretty heady, you know, territory, you know, for a tight end. But yeah, I mean, 16, ballsy. Yeah, it's crazy sounding. (laughs) I know. But it's like, Sometimes you you just kind of look at the situation and you decide, you know, you know. And I know that as crazy as it sounds, you look at him. Guess what he averaged last year? Sixteen point four yards per catch, with nine touchdowns. So, you know, it's not like I it's not like I pulled it out of thin air. So, but you know, to repeat that number, that's kind of ballsy. So that's what I'm kind of banking on there for. Uh, you know me, Matt. I keep it like. You know, yeah. I, I I cut off those tails, right? I of, know you uh, do. Hey, unreasonable or too over, but yes, it it definitely could, you know, happen. But that's how you know this is each how we've made our livings. So it's like, hey, you, I'm not and, arguing and, with you, and, man. And, and it works. I could have listened to you on Derrick Henry <laughs> last year. Well, I'm sure we'll come won, back. I would have won more. About, I would have won more money. There'll be ten guys I should have listened to you about, and probably Ronald Jones this past. Um, you listen to the other episode there, but. Um, Let's get to Adam Trotman because he's a rookie tight end. Again, I say this in the RSP every year. In the beginning of the, the, the chapter, I always talk about rookie tight end impact and say the last one to really have a massively great impact was Mike Ditka. He still is, was, has the best rookie year from a statistical standpoint of any rookie tight end in the modern era of football. <laughs> so that should tell you right there that it just, you know, banking on something big time happening with a tight end is as a rookie is is a is basically a fool's paradise. Um I was hoping for TJ Hawkinson last year and he had some drops in the red zone and got hurt multiple times and so, you know, and he was as promising from a tape standpoint as any player I've seen but recently. That one's sounding really good this preseason, Matt. Yeah. Sounds like he's basically unguardable. Yes. So <laughs> there you go. Now, Adam Trotman, the interesting thing about Adam Trotman is that, you know, you watch him at Dayton. Dayton. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I was at an FCS school or FBS school. I think it's an FCS school. They're playing guys that, like, you know, that looked like probably Dwayne and I did when we were in college, you know? Um, and he's facing these guys and just tearing through them. Um, but what was fascinating to me about him on tape is the way he did it. Because I know people are always like, well, you, you know, it's a smaller program. He hasn't faced the high-end athletes. He hasn't done all of that. And there's something that I do a little bit different with scouting. And it's been successful for me enough that I continue to go that route because the theory is is that it's not what the it's not usually the competition that the player faces it's what he does within himself you know and what he can do and when you watch a guy like Adam Trotman the way he released from the line of scrimmage was as polished as I've seen from a a receiver um or from a tight end he used a lot of different releases that I didn't see other players use who were in FCS, FBS schools um, or Division One schools. Um, you know, I saw skill as a blocker in terms of technique and footwork and understanding of leverage and understanding of how to do things technically that it didn't matter whether the guy was, 
it, it matters to an extent, you know, whether the guy's a, a massively great athlete. But if you're not performing the good techniques, it doesn't matter whether it's a good guy or a bad guy. You may dominate the bat, the the lesser skilled player, but the techniques are still not good. And then when you project that, you're like, he's got to show better technique because when he faces a bigger guy who knows what he's doing, he's going to get eaten alive. But if you're doing the right techniques and you have the size that matches up with a good player, you can at least bank on the idea that he's going to transition faster he may get beat he may there there's some things conceptually that he may have to learn or he may blow some calls but he has the foundation down you know so he did those types of things then i talked to mark schofield in a in a previous um quick game and i brought up adam trotman and he said i think he could be rookie of the year and this was before training camp and I was like, well, why do you think that? And he's like, when I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl, he talked about his understanding of protections and his understanding of blocking assignments on a level that I've never heard a tight end talk about. Um, like he was really, he really had those things down on a way that was surprisingly good. So fast forward to Saints training camp, and he's pretty much been one of the talks of training camp. Um, there, he's definitely going to have a role. That's what they've the team has said already as a tight end, and they're trying and they think he'd be great as a Y, which means more of the receiving tight end look. But they love that he can block too, and the players have said he doesn't he doesn't absorb information like a rookie. He approaches and learns the game like a veteran. Like he learns things fast. Um, so, do I think Adam Trotman's going to be the next Mike Ditka? No. And I'm not even going to say it would shock me if he was, okay? But would it surprise me that Adam Trotman would have 37 targets, 20 receptions for 275 yards, and average 13.7 yards, uh, 75 yards per attempt and get a few touchdowns and be a, a, a decent enough contributor in the mix that even might have upside for about four to 500 yards if Jared Cook gets hurt and maybe four to six touchdowns as a ceiling? Nah, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. I think he's going to be on the field a fair bit. I think your people are going to be unbelievably excited about him heading into this time next year. Um, and he's going to, and for a tight end to just even get close to 300 yards and a few touchdowns, and they're going to be some, he's going to have some wide open plays downfield because nobody's going to be paying attention to him. They're going to make him prove that he can, he can be that guy. So it's very possible that like half of his, production comes like in just crazy easy situations i mean hunter henry had some of those crazy easy situations where teams just like were like you know here take it just like you know we don't even believe anything's gonna happen and then you like if you study the game and watch it every week you're just sitting there going there's gonna be a play somewhere right around this part of the drive where hunter henry's gonna be like there's nobody gonna be within like a desert of him and 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 foot you know Philip Rivers could probably punt the ball to him and and still like score. You know, some Philip Rivers passes do look like punts. They so. do. That's true. That's true. He has he comes from that Bernie Kosar school. You know, a little bit of that uh, from that kind of standpoint. But yeah, that's my take on Adam Troutman in terms of what he has to bring to the table and why he's someone you might want to watch. So Dwayne, let's get to the running game here. Alvin Kamara's back. Let's see if he's going to be able to stay, uh, you know, um, healthy. If he does, I think he's he's mystical. I think he's a mystical yeah. tackle breaker. I've never seen a, 
if there's a guy that I look, you guys know I I'm pretty good at running backs. If there's a guy that I just absolutely flat out missed on, like just whiffed horribly at running back, it was Alvin Kamara. Like just totally so. And when I watch him, I'm literally in awe. I am like the biggest fan boy of Alvin Kamara. I love, 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 love his game. And when I even and I even bristle when I hear people say, Well, you know, he can't he wouldn't be a foundation back. That's what Greg Costell says. He wouldn't be a foundation back in another offense because, you know, he's just not really built to be that. And I get that to a degree, but I, I watch foundation backs and they can't slip tackles like this guy can. It's like it's freaking it, it it literally is like some sort of like he's like some shaman in, in terms of being able to like do the things he does in terms of balance and contact balance with his footwork. It's you, you very rarely see him take a big hit. No. I mean, very, very rarely. I mean I honestly one of the biggest ones I remember is probably a sideline play where uh Jalen Smith from the Cowboys got him like two years ago, had him pinned to the sideline, you know, and basically it was a helmet to helmet thing where he took a really big hit. But other than that, it's like every time I watch the guy, it's like, you think he's about to take a big hit and then he slips out of it. You know, it's just, it is amazing watching his feet. Yeah. And there's a Carolina Panther play at the RSP that I have of him where it looks like he gets nailed at the, like inside the one from a Carolina linebacker. I think it was either Keekley or Thomas Davis. And how he, like, he gets knocked sideways and backwards. And how he, like, raises himself back up from his waist to get across the, the line after taking that hit. I, I've watched that. Pl- I still watch that play and go, I don't know how that happened. It's it's un- it's the equivalent to me of the of the Gale Sayers cut on Kizar Stadium with in a mud-soaked Kizar Stadium on his punt return for his sixth touchdown, um, you know, of the game where he makes this jump cut at full speed on this muddy turf. And and I'm like, how did that guy not fall down? Like, he, that was literally Jesus walking on water, um, the equivalent <laughs> of that in football. And Alvin Kamara was basically coming out of the cave, basically, um, you know, in the way that he got hit and resurrected himself from the ground before he hit it. Um, to, to cross that, that goal line. It was one of the most amazing plays I've seen in, in recent years from a running back. So what do you have projected for these guys? Yeah, I've got Kamara right at 50% of the attempts of so 211. Um, got him at 4.25 yards per catch. I mean, per carry could easily be higher than that. Um, you know, But I've got him at 895 yards rushing. I've got him at eight rushing touchdowns. I've got him at 18% of the targets, which is 101 targets. I've got him with 80 receptions, 645 yards receiving, and I've got him with 3.6 receiving touchdowns. I mean, I got him, you know, essentially, you know, it's a guy that I see right around 12 touchdowns, and I see him being around 15 to 1,700 total yards, you know, somewhere in that that territory. And it would never, ever, ever surprise me if he had a season where he hit 2,000. Yeah. And then Latavius Murray, I've got it 30%. What's interesting is after Mark Ingram left, um, you know, because back when Ingram was here, Kamara, you know, was more like in the 35, 40%, right, of the attempts. And, you know, Ingram was more steady right there with him. And what happened last year is really, you know, Murray didn't get 
you know, as much as what Mark Ingram got. Now, some of that was due to Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was getting certain looks that Murray or that Ingram would have gotten, you know, in the past that they would, so they would, you know, run these trick plays and things like that just to kind of confuse the defense. But still, uh, it's really become much more Kamara's the 1A, whereas before, you know, there was a 1A and a 1B. Well, now it's just Kamara's really the lead back. Now, Murray does work in. I've got him at 30%. That's 126 attempts. Um, I've got him at 537 yards, and I've got him at five rushing touchdowns. So he does still some of those carries inside the five, and he's pretty good at that, especially behind this offensive line that can get things moving. Um, I don't have him being a huge factor in the passing game, but he's not terrible there. And, th- and this offense, you know, does a great job of setting backs like Ingram and Murray up, you know, for screens. They do double reverse screens. I mean, they do these things where it looks like it's a stick screen to the tight end or to the receiver, and it's really a screen to the running back on this. So their screen game is like phenomenal. Like it's just like they get they create so many just easy yards i say easy it's very hard to execute screens well but if you can do it like it's just really hard for defenses to deal with like i watched the cowboys try to run a screen like for five years they can't run a screen like i'm like just guys just go watch the saints for like all (laughs) off you're gonna figure out how to run screens you know um but it's amazing and so they just create a lot of yards through the scheme um, so I've got Murray at 5% of the targets. That's 28, 22 receptions, 156 yards receiving. But I've got him at two receiving touchdowns. They get those backs involved. They get everybody involved <laughs> down inside, you know, the five. You know, whether it's, you know, Zach Line or whether it's, you know, uh, you know the other tight end, Hill. I mean, these guys all you know, get the, the looks that the, that the other guys get. But, I mean, they all – score you know one or two touchdowns each it's like you just don't ever know you've got to account for everything when you're playing sean payton because you never know what they're going to do now what i'll say about murray is if you're a fantasy player his stats don't sound really huge it's okay it's not somebody you're going to love using you might use him you know in a bye week kind of situation but i do prioritize him in that in a 12-man league in that 10th 11th round range if he's sitting there just because if something happens with you know kamara's back I do think, you know, you get obviously an, uh, you get a bump up in what you're going to get out of Murray. I think the other thing you would see, Matt, is you would see, and I didn't even go look, did they keep Ty Montgomery on the roster? Yeah. Okay. So Montgomery would be the guy, I think, in that scenario that would probably take over Kamar- some of Kamara's receiving work. I don't see him getting a ton of the work on the ground. But I would see him taking on over taking over more of you know Kamara's role in the passing game than what Murray would do. But to your point, it does make you a little bit more one dimensional than what you get with Kamara. Now that never bar- bothered them with Darren Sproles. Sproles hardly ever ran the ball, you know, like ninety carries a, t- a season. But he was such a master, you know, in the passing game. And so Montgomery's obviously neither one of those players. He's, his skill level is lower. But I would I would say, hey, if Kamara does get dinged. He's going to miss three or four weeks, and you're in a pinch, especially if you're in a deeper league. I mean, Montgomery might surprise people. You know, he could come out and catch, you know, four or five balls a game in those situations, maybe get four or five carries, you know, end up with 60, 70 yards and an occasional touchdown. If I was an evil, mad scientist who, like, had the opportunity to own a football team, I would have taken Darren Sproles and allowed him to basically run the hell out of the ball for at least one season because I'd want to see – just how just good he really was because he was unbelievable at KSU. He was Marshawn Lynch with about, you know, what, you know, let's say about 
50, 60 pounds uh, um, not on him, but he ran like Marshawn Lynch, like literally his footwork, everything. It was fantastic. Alvin Kamara, I'm probably a little too bullish on, and I may, you know, it's probably too late for me to back down on where I'm at with him, but that's okay because I'm a fanboy. I'm at 207 attempts, 1,050 yards for five yards per attempt. Um, I haven't met eight touchdowns. I've met 112 targets, 86 catches, 756 yards for 8.79 yards per reception and six touchdowns. I think this is his year. Um, I think that Emmanuel Sanders, Cook, and Troutman's ability to stretch the field means that Kamara's going to have a lot of room to roam. And I think he's going to do it this year. And then I also think the fact that they floated out that they were looking to trade him Man, that's a bad move, man. I think this is going to be interesting to see how Alvin Kamara is fired up. Now, that's narrative street. So, Latavius Murray. I'm with you. Latavius Murray was a tight end for a while in college. So, he can catch the ball. He's the oddest runner. Brandon Thorne kind of um, DM'd me and was like, what do you think, Latavius Murray? Have you studied him? I really like how he is about stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's very unconventional. He's very herky-jerky. He's like that boxer that you can't get a feel for, and he gets you cornered on the ropes, and like you, you're trying to anticipate some of those bob and weaves, but there's really no discernible rhythm with it, and it's so unconventional that by the time you think you figured it out, you're basically getting up off the ground from, from a shot. So Latavius Murray's that way. I'm at 150 attempts, 660 yards, 4.4 per attempt at six touchdowns. And then 16 targets, 10 receptions, 71 yards. It could be much higher, um, you know, but I'm counting on Kamara. I don't have many touchdowns. That's probably a mistake. I think I like Dwayne's logic on that one. Um, and if Ty Montgomery comes in, yeah, Montgomery being the former receiver he was at Stanford will probably and the former slot receiver with the Packers for a little bit. He'll probably get the majority, but I wouldn't be surprised if at least Murray gets a, a semi-healthy split out of that if if Kamara goes down so yeah that's the New Orleans Saints folks it's a you know uh it's a fun team to watch we're gonna it's gonna be exciting to see them and you know I apologize to those of you who didn't get to see your favorite team projected this offseason we covered a good bit of them um I think we didn't cover the AFC South um we didn't cover we didn't get to cover Atlanta we didn't get to cover um, the Carolina Panthers, and I'm trying. Did we do the AFC North? The NFC North? I don't think we did. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did the. Did we not? Uh, I can't. I don't remember. remember. We there's. We'll have to start here. sooner next off season. I think because last were. year I think we started in uh, May, June. Yeah, June or, yeah. or May. Yeah. So we started a little later this year. But next year we just have to start earlier. I but guess yeah, we do. But I, you know, I wish we could have got to more as well. Yeah, but, but we appreciate the fact that you guys you know, enjoy this series as much as you do. And so we'll strive next year to do that. Um, before we go, though, I, I have two questions for Dwayne. One is I want to know what the rest of your son's draft looks like. And then I want you to tell everybody more about your utilization report. Yeah, I was just texting them to send me a screenshot. So let me see real quick. Um, but while I'm waiting on him, you know, to respond, I, I just asked him again. Um, so, yeah. The utilization report. So for those of you that, you know, follow me on Twitter or you subscribe to, you know, establish the run last year, um, it's essentially, you know, I would do a write-up each week talking about trends that I was seeing with players. Um, it's really kind of this, the data below 
receptions, attempts, all those sort of things. It's really digging below to see who's on the field in these situations, right? That kind of thing. And so what's awesome about being with Pro Football Focus, and it's going to be available at Establish the Run and Pro Football Focus. So we worked out a deal. I say we, they worked out a deal to where they would both have it, but I'm going to be using Pro Football Focus's data to build it. So, you know, last year, and the year before, you know, it had a lot of really cool stuff in it. But this year, here are some of the things that, you know, we're working on. Um, so you'll be able to see, or I'll be able to talk about, you know, within the column, you know, how often a receiver is of the first read or the next read, or were they a check down? So it's just another layer, right, of, of who is the lead in the offense, you know, because sometimes, you know, it may look like it's one person, but it's really another. And then sometimes, you know, it could be, you know, vice versa. Um, then the other thing that it's going to have is, okay, the, from a man coverage or zone coverage or press coverage, you know, the routes ran, the targets, receptions, yards, all those sort of things. But really, I mean, in utilization, I focus on the routes. I focus on the targets. So, for example, I talked about it earlier or last episode, Matt, against Tampa. That's where I got that information was pulling that out of, you know, this tool called Ultimate, you know, at Pro Football Focus, where I can go in and query the data and I could literally see, okay, when Tampa played against team, played against zone, who got the targets? When Tampa played against man, who got the targets? And in that example, it was very clear. When they got man coverage, it was almost all Evans. And when it was against zone coverage, it was more, you know, to Godwin. So it'll help, you know, from a standpoint of if you know, you know, these players are, are about to be playing a team that runs, you know, a certain kind of scheme, it gives you a little bit of a heads up, like as to what might happen, you know, in that game. Um, the other thing that's really awesome is being able to really dig into play action, Matt, because if you look at, you know, some of the receivers that really had their the most explosive years last year, like Debo Samuel, um, A.J. Brown, guys that really, you know, surprised, right? They just kind of jumped. It's like, how do these guys as rookies do this? Well, play action was a huge part of their game. So I'll also be breaking down play action um, in the articles as well as, you know, within, you know, the utilization report itself. And then, I mean, there's targets by field location, Matt. So literally I'll be able to tell you, okay, is this a guy that's just being used in one or two ways? Or is this a player that's actually his application is broad? He's being used all across the field. He gets deep targets. He gets intermediate targets. He gets short targets inside, outside, all those sorts of things, um, you know, will also be, you know, a component of it. And then I'm also going to be able to break it down by personnel groupings, you know, so for example, you know, you heard me talk about with the Rams that when they went to 12 personnel, Cooper Cup only played 66 snaps. You know, Josh Gordon got all the rest of it, um, you know, so or Josh Reynolds got all the rest of it. So that's where I got that information from. So now I'll have that. I'll have all that information as well. There's going to be some other things in there, too. And there's a couple of other things that I threw out as ideas to that team, um, you know, just to see if it's something that they could do. So there's a lot of really cool new things coming in that are going to give it really a whole new layer, you know, of, of really being able to, well, you know, I say context matters. Um, and that's really what all this comes back to is if you look at it as a holistic picture, you know, what's the team, you know, trying to do even, you know, the data, you know, the receptions and yards and all those things may say one thing, but you really want to understand, you know, who is the team trying to get involved the most and that's in, in different scenarios. And that's what all this stuff is really, you know, about. Well, you know, at this point, we're going to have to have a great year handle to context essential 
as opposed to like context <laughs> matters. But um, yeah. you know, at the rate of what you're doing there, but obviously it's going to be great stuff. You know, so you're going to want to catch Dwayne at Pro Football Focus and and establish the run. And of course, you can hear him at the Fantasy Football Hustle podcast, um, as well as Fighting Chance Fantasy Football. Um, you know, a lot of great outlets there with him. You can get the RSP, MattWaldmanRSP.com. You can learn more about it and get it at MattWaldman.com. Um, I'll have a gut check column out on Wednesday. It's available on Wednesdays during the season. So, Dan, if you're listening, no, I didn't move on to another vendor. Um, I'm still writing at Football Guys, and it'll be available the day after tomorrow. It's okay. Um, I'll still be there um, 515 columns in. Um, and then you'll, we'll also be doing the round. I'll also be the editor and moderator, moderator once again for the F um, Football Guys Roundtable. Um, in season, we'll be talking about some different articles that came up this week um, with our crack staff over at Football Guys, wonderful group of guys there and, and fantasy um, knowledgeable guys in fantasy. And then I'll also be doing a column called The Replacements. Yes, named after the movie, um, considering this environment we may have guys who many of you have never heard of um, coming off the street to play some meaningful football. So I'm going to try and anticipate who are those guys that you might want to watch at least this week. And then in subsequent weeks, um, we'll see if there are guys that we need to profile a little bit. Certainly James Robinson is a guy that people want to learn about and will probably be. I, I was the texting waters. Matt about James Robinson. <laughs> yep. You aren't the only one. <laughs> so, so he'll be written up a little bit on Friday at the football guys um, column there and, and some other guys as well um, that you may not have heard of yet in that regard. And, you know, the RSP is rolling along. We just did a nice thing on journey on journey Brown, um, a, an RSP boiler room on a trio of plays that explain why I think he might be the most promising running back prospect in the 2021 NFL draft, even if he may not be the best one on the field right now, though. I'd argue he's he's pretty darn close. Um, so, you know, you can check out all those different things. Thank you so much for tuning in this year. I know it's been um, a wild preseason in terms of just, you know, everything going on in the world. Um, you know, and I appreciate all the great feedback that you guys gave me back in May and June uh, for some of the things that I talked about that didn't have anything to do with football. Um, so we're going to get a team update here in a moment, but I just want to thank you guys for all of that. So what's it look like now, Dwayne? Okay, so, so here is his starting lineup. He's got Josh Allen, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders with Joe Mixon and his flex. This is a full point PPR 10 man league. He's got Allen Robinson and AJ Brown at receiver. He's got Darren Waller at tight end. He's got suck up who I told him, wait till the last round and take suck up. Nobody knows he's in Tampa, even in leagues that cost $300. People are <laughs> missing that. He somehow ended up with the Buccaneers defense. So I'll have to talk to him about that. See if he can go grab, uh, you know, the Colts. We'll see if they're available, but then here's his bench. CD lamb, Will Fuller and Jamison Crowder at receiver. And then he's got Mark Ingram, James White, and Latavius Murray on his bench, as well as Carson Wentz at quarterback. So I'd say that's pretty good. I think he did a good job. Exactly. I know yeah. that Michael Gallup went in the second round. So I told him, I was like, oh, you're going to destroy these people. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Telltale sign. So I do have a question for you. Uh, just based on how you talked about the Saints, is it 
is it me or is it that the Cowboys look at the Saints as kind of like that neighbor across the, the way who like you don't really you're not really competing with them routinely, but you still are competing with them. They're like the grass is greener neighbor that, you know, that like when they come out with the new lawnmower, you feel like you need to get that that model too. Yeah, I mean, the Saints, honestly, there's a lot of respect for them, you know, in this community. And there's actually quite a few Saints fans, not as many here as there are in Houston. Yeah. But when all of the displacement and everything happened with Katrina, um, you know, a lot of folks stayed, you know, in this area. So, I mean, there's a pretty good, you know, support, you know, for the Saints here. Um, But what I would say, yeah, like, honestly, when I see the Saints, you know, do anything, um, it's usually more just... I always admire it. I'm always like, look how they do this. Look at this. But I am excited, right, about what the Cowboys are doing. Um, and I think the Cowboys, you know, we talked about the Saints and the Bucks. you know, have a shot to be, you know, two of the top offenses in the league. And I think Dallas does too. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens. Kellen Moore did some great things last year. You know, Mike McCarthy had a year to step away from the game and maybe realize that he had gotten a little stale. I think it shows a lot, right, that he, that he kept Kellen Moore there. So, but the addition of CeeDee Lamb, man i i cannot i cannot wait until next weekend like yeah, i can't either. wait i drafted like, him I'm, I'm not i'm not worried about it like i'm putting him in lineups oh like, yeah me too. he's in lineups me too not 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 remotely this guy is i believe he will be, give veteran like production um off the from from the very get-go so uh listen folks i hope you guys had fantastic drafts if you have them to come when you're cramming good luck with that hopefully we can provide you the information you needed and uh we you know this will probably be the last time i think Dwayne and i will be doing a podcast in the near future in terms of like with this you know with this type of content but i'm sure i can i can you know get him to come on and we can talk about the season as things go on i'm sure he can share some stuff with his utilization reports as a way to do that and give you guys a taste of that um so that you know where to go to uh to learn more and we'll probably try to do that within the next the first month 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 and a half so that you can get a real feel for it um and you guys have a good night